As promised, the god stood on the deck of the ship, his golden hair streaming against the setting sun, the light capturing the stark angle of his bronzed cheekbones. Awestruck, Marielle gaped and nearly stumbled to her knees at sight of Maman's promise. The filling sails accentuated the god's stance of command as the sleek ship rolled beneath his booted feet, and the sun glinted off the jeweled scabbard at his side. In billowing shirt sleeves and gold-embroidered vest, he stood head and shoulders above all the common sailors' nodding lines and raising sails. The brown column of his throat emerged from the open lacing of his shirt, and Marielle thrilled at the sight. He was golden all over. If anyone was the god her mother had predicted, that giant of a man with his air of confidence must be. Seeing him from the top of the bluff, Marielle almost wept in gratitude that once more, her mother's prophecies had come true. They were saved. Francine would eat again. The babe would be born healthy. All would be well. And then, as she waved a greeting and raced for the path leading down to the beach, he turned away to watch the ship's sails unfurl to catch the wind and outgoing tide. Waves of despair and fury washed over her. He couldn't leave. The golden god was supposed to save Francine. Standing on the bluffs above the harbor, Marielle choked on a half-sob as the wind licked at the canvas. Hunger brought her emotions too close to the surface these days, and she wrestled with her failure now. The cries of the gulls wailed her dismay. Maman's predictions were never wrong. She had promised a golden god would save the village from straits most dire. Not a single person in the village would survive if their situation became any more desperate. She was the only one who could act on Maman's predictions. It was her task to do so. But she'd arrived too late to prevent the ship from sailing. No, she hadn't. She'd been here on time. The wretched man simply refused to wait. More must be required of her. With the force of terror driving her, she scrabbled over the rocks. On this, his last journey into the world outside his own, Tristan L'Enforcer admired the cliffs of Brittany without a trace of regret. He was looking forward to the responsibility awaiting him, the one for which he'd prepared all of his life. Behind him, the sails of his pride and joy, the sword of destiny, unfurled in preparation for catching the tide that would, for once and all, carry him home. No more wandering the sea. Oddly, at this moment of rejoicing, a poignant cry of defeat carried over the wail of the wind, a cry that reached deep down inside as if to draw him back to the shore. With the wind whipping his hair, he scanned the scene for the source of the sound, and was arrested by the sight of a Breton maiden atop the bluff, waving her farewells. Her cap a lacy crown against her ebony hair, She wore long black skirts and a pristine white apron, identifying her as a simple villager, unlike the richly dressed merchants with whom he often dealt. He had learned many things about modes of dress in countries other than his own, things he must pass on to his nephew, who would sail the destiny once Tristan married and took his place on the council. Now there's a lass someone has made happy. Nevin Lenotal, his navigator and closest friend, Watch the willowy girl shout and wave from the path. Can you read lips in that language? What does she say? She tells us to wait, Tristan replied, his gaze not wavering from the comely wench.
She needs to speak with us. He stood at the rail, boots spaced widely, adjusting to the swell and fall of the sea as the wind tugged his shirt sleeves and blew the maid's words away. The tide was on the way out. This was the moment he reveled in, when ship, man, and sea became one, and home became more tangible than a thought. There was no chance of waiting, even for this comely miss.